the bat this morning, I'm going to go ahead and give you my confession immediately. This series is called Confessions of a Loser. I'm your loser, and here's my confession this morning. I was a horrible dad. That's my confession. I was not, as my children were growing up, I was not available to them. I was driven. I was driven. I worked anywhere from 15 to 17 hours a day, every day of the week, seven days a week. I was driven. I thought I was doing what Jesus sent me to do, and that was to work, to make disciples, to, to teach them the things that he commanded us. I did a lot of that, and I did it every day, all day long. And because of those choices, I was much more of a minister than I was a daddy. And I really thought that Jesus was compelling me to do that. But I was wrong. And as a result of some of those decisions like that in my life, I, for a very, in a very real way, I, I lost my kids. Now let's leave my sad story for just a moment and let's go and talk about something a little more happy and that's the life of Jesus, at least the early life. Jesus grew up in a town called Nazareth. Now Nazareth had between 50 and 200 people in its town, very small town of Nazareth. Now there was a town just four miles away from Nazareth. You probably haven't heard of this town before. Its name was Sepphoris and it was just four miles away and it was in elevation 400 feet higher than Nazareth. So it really was a city on a hill that you could see from Nazareth just four miles away. And this was a very large city. So it was lit up at night. In fact, maybe you remember the words of Jesus when he's talking about a city on a hill cannot be hidden. It's very possible that this imagery was part of the childhood of Jesus with this city on a hill and at night you could see it. It was, uh, it was bright. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people. The reason why this was such a large city, Sepphoris, was because this was the center of the Roman government in the Galilee region. Now, about the time that Jesus was born, if you remember the Christmas story, Jesus was born in a little town called Bethlehem. But eventually, they made their way back to Nazareth. That's where Jesus grew up, largely. But about the time Jesus was born, there was a Jewish revolt in this town of Sepphoris. And this revolt was met with Roman hostility, and they crushed that revolt. They actually burned the city, the entire city, to the ground. It was a big deal. They took about 20,000 of the inhabitants of Sepphoris and they turned them into slaves. And 2,000 men who were involved, directly involved in the revolt, they took those 2,000 men just outside of the city and they crucified them all on the same day. 2,000 men. Can you imagine how that impacted this little town of Nazareth. Can you imagine the deep impact that that had on Nazareth? Even for Jesus growing up as, as a, a small boy and, and a young boy, knowing what happened, because that was the talk. Everyone knew what happened in this town. 
they all knew. And in fact, very possibly, as young men were walking with their fathers, a father would point up and say, see that city on a hill that's all lit up tonight. Well, not too many years ago, that city was lit up by fire as the Romans burned it to the ground. And they took 20,000 of our relatives, of our kinsmen, and they turned them into slaves. And they took 2,000 men outside of the city walls and they crucified them all on the same day. And so Nazareth really did, uh, the children there, they grew up in the shadow of this town, Sepphoris, and the Jewish revolt that happened there. Growing up in a country that was captured and occupied by Rome was not an easy place to grow up. Roman-occupied Israel was not a cozy day playing at the park. It was a politically charged world, and Jesus grew up in this climate. It was charged with emotion. If people did the wrong thing or said the wrong thing or wandered into the wrong place at the wrong time, they suffered and sometimes they died. Jesus grew up in the shadow of that revolt that happened at Sepphoris, just four miles away from Nazareth. He saw that city on a hill every day that he was in Nazareth. It's very possible that, um, that Jesus actually worked in Sepphoris. Historians say it's very possible that Jesus and Joseph were carpenters in Sepphoris. There's not a lot of carpentry needed with a, a town of 50 people. It's very possible that Jesus and Joseph were part of rebuilding Sepphoris because it became a big metropolitan area again, a growing city, and it took decades to rebuild. Jesus knew well what happened in Sepphoris. Now, let's go to Jesus as a 12-year-old boy. It's the Passover season, and it means it's time for Jesus, his family, and their relatives, and the other people who lived in Nazareth, they would travel together the 85 miles from Nazareth to Jerusalem for Passover. Let's pick up the story in the book of Luke chapter 2, verse 41. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. Now, that 85 miles was about a four-day trip to Jerusalem. Verse 42, when Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. And after the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth. So it was, Passover was one day, but then there's a festival that happens right after that they celebrate back to back. It was about a week that they were in Jerusalem, and now they're headed home. But Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed that he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, let me pause there for just a moment, that means they were one whole day's travel outside of Jerusalem. They were 25% of the way back home. They were one whole day's travel outside of Jerusalem. When he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among the relatives and the friends. Can you imagine? Panic is beginning to set in. With every person they talk to, they get a little more excited, a little more panic, a little more fear. 
And they're thinking to themselves, oh my, remember Sepphoris. Remember the revolt. This is not safe. This is no place for a 12-year-old to be by himself. But when they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem, verse 45 says, to search for him there. So they were one full day away, and now they go one full day back. So this is two days now. They're searching for Jesus, have not found Jesus. Let me pause here for a moment. I remember a trip that we took to Disney World. So I believe Lawton was about two years old or close to that. And then Tori and Lexi uh, were, were a little bit older. So this was the strategy. I've got a stroller and I've got Tori and Lexi. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with kid leashes. They, they make them a little nicer now. They turn them into backpacks and stuff like that. Well, that's not, no. We straight up had the kid leash around their, around their wrist. Sometimes we put it around the belt loop, you know, so they couldn't take it off. But Victoria had on her kid leash, and she was tethered, leashed to the stroller. Lexi, on the other side, had her kid leash on, and she was also tied to the stroller. This is great strategy, parents. You should write this down. So here's the stroller. And inside the stroller is two-year-old Lawton, and he is strapped in. Now, Disney World crazy. If you've seen the pictures or been there, you understand people everywhere. Um, and so, you know, this entourage of the stroller and the kids leashed to the stroller, we had a wide path. And we were paused for a moment for some reason. I'm sure I was fat and out of breath. <laughs> we're paused for a moment, and I, I look over here, and, and yes, Tori, she is correctly leashed. Excellent. Lexi, yes, correctly leashed. We're just rocking Disney World. And I look down, and Lawton is not strapped in. In fact, he's not in. And in that moment, in that moment, panic sets in. Immediately, panic sets in. Because I look, he's not there, he's not there, he's nowhere. Panic sets in. Uh, 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 people are blaming people. Words are coming out. Hollers and screams and yells. And it's panic and it's fear. Because here in our mind, helpless child in this sea of people. Now let me ask this. How many of you, even if it were just, was just for a moment, how many of you have lost your child somewhere in a store? Or Yeah, I see those hands. I see those hands. I see those hands. Now walk forward. No, I'm just tasting. I see those hands. Yes, I'm not alone. So you understand you understand that feeling of panic, sheer fear and panic in that moment that your child is lost. But you, you didn't lose Jesus. I mean, the Savior, the Messiah of the world. You had one job, Mary and Joseph. Keep Jesus alive. <laughs> Verse 46. 
three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple. Three days, Jesus was lost. And they were panicking and in desperate state of fear. But listen to this. He was, they found him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers. I, I want to pause there for a moment because history tells us that two of the most famous rabbis, apart from Jesus, two of the most famous rabbis to have ever lived or walked on this planet, two of the most famous rabbis were alive at this time. And everything we know about Jewish custom and history tells us that those two rabbis who were the most famous and alive were there. They would not have been absent during this festival and season from the temple. They were there, which places Jesus as a 12-year-old boy at the feet of the two most, even today still, the two most famous rabbis to have ever lived. And the Bible says that he was listening to them. But notice the next phrase, and he was asking questions. Now, don't let this just pass by. The way that we teach in America and Western culture, we lecture. We, we teach by speaking and lecturing. In the Jewish culture, and still to this day, they teach, the rabbis would teach by asking questions. This passage is telling us that Jesus was listening, and then he was teaching, asking questions. Jesus, a 12-year-old boy, at the feet of the two most well-known rabbis, and would later become the most well-known rabbis of all time, Jesus asking the questions, leading the discussion, teaching through questioning. This is astonishing. Listening to them and asking questions. Now this is Jesus. Mary walks in. They have finally found him. He's been lost for three days. They find him. They walk in. And look, verse 47, all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Not only was Jesus asking the questions as a teacher, but then Jesus had to answer them. And they were amazed, all those people there, which would include these two rabbis. Amazing. Mary walks into this, and Joseph, they see this. They don't know how to, ha they don't know how to comprehend this or handle this. This would be like your child, if your child were 12, and you walked up, and your child was having a seminar and teaching and Bill Gates was taking notes. Your child was teaching them about computers. And if they're here today, by the way, go back and fix the first Facebook Live computer. Computers. And they were teaching them about, uh, about business and computers. Your 12-year-old child. Bill Gates would be like taking a, oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I never thought, oh, I can't buy it. And Mary and Joseph walk up on this with Jesus and all these rabbis and teachers. They don't know how to handle it. His parents didn't know, verse 48, his parents didn't know what to think. And then here's what happens. She says, son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? 
Your father and I have been frantic searching for you everywhere. Now, we understand there's panic that sets in. Fear. And now she has this little sense of relief. But right after that relief comes anger. Let's go back to Disney World. I'm in panic. I mean, I'm looking for Lawton. Two tethered children and one on the loose. No telling what's happening. Someone wants to take him and hurt him. And I don't know how long this took. Maybe less than a minute, but it seemed like an eternity. And I look behind this trash can that's less than 10 yards away. And there's Lawton squatted behind the trash can laughing. (laughs) And that sense of relief. That sense of relief. The fear goes away. The panic leaves. You have such relief. And right behind that comes some anger. (laughs) Don't you ever do that again. Mary was relieved and then angry. But Jesus responds to her in verse 49. Listen to what he says. But why did you need to search? He asked. Didn't you know? I must be in my father's house. Verse 50, but they didn't understand what he meant. (laughs) And that was not the first time that a parent did not understand their teenager. And it was not the last time that Jesus would be misunderstood. She lost Jesus for three days. But Jesus was not lost. She lost him. She lost sight of him. But Jesus was not lost. But when she finally found him again, and she saw what was taking place among all those rabbis and those teachers, when she finally found him again, at that moment, everything was different No longer was he her somewhat ordinary son. No longer. He was now, age appropriately, on the path toward preparing for his mission and his purpose in this life. And she suddenly, Mary suddenly, in that moment that she finally found him, she suddenly had to reevaluate everything that she knew about raising Jesus. The Bible tells us in verse 51 that then he returned to Nazareth with them and he was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. Don't you know there was a lot? Verse 52, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. That was the first time that Mary lost Jesus. There was a second time. About the age of 30, when Jesus was 30 years old, Jesus leaves Nazareth and he goes to hear his cousin, John the Baptizer. His cousin is going is public speaking and he goes to hear his, his cousin speak. And when John sees Jesus... Here's what happens. John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What an amazing, beautiful statement. 
And then in that same scene, in that same time, John baptizes Jesus at the request of Jesus. And then Jesus leaves for 40 days. He walks into the wilderness where he's going to face off with Satan. For 40 days, Mary loses sight once again of Jesus. She loses Jesus for this 40 days. She could look all over. She's not going to find him. At the end of this 40 days, though, Jesus does come back. He goes back to Nazareth, and Jesus speaks in the synagogue in Nazareth. And there he basically tells all the people who are there, basically the whole town of Nazareth, he tells them that God is going to include the Gentiles, that's anyone who's not a Jew, he's going to include the Gentiles in his great plan. Now this makes the Jewish people furious. They are so angry. Those were fighting words. And they were so angry at Jesus, they, they were trying to drive him out of the city and push him off a cliff didn't happen. Jesus actually just kind of slipped through the crowd. But that's what they tried to do. Mary lost sight of Jesus. She finds him again as Jesus walks into this synagogue. But she was forced once again to rethink everything that she thought she knew about Jesus. She had to rethink it all. She had to evaluate it, reevaluate it. All. That was the second time. There was a third time that Mary lost Jesus. Jesus leaves Nazareth again, and this time he's on his way to a full blown, uh, really kind of a tour, uh, uh, his march toward the cross. And it's a three year journey. As he, as he travels in and around all these towns in Galilee and around Jerusalem, Jesus finds himself in Capernaum and he's teaching to a packed house, literally a house. And the family of Jesus hear that he's there. It's his mother, brothers, and his sisters. They hear that Jesus is there and they go to find him. And what we learn in the book of Mark is that they're not there just to go hear him. They think Jesus has gone nutso, and they're there trying to force him to come back home so they can hide him. They think he's gone crazy. They think he's lost his mind. And so they show up at this house. Here's kind of how this goes down, Mark chapter 3. Then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. They stood outside, and they sent word for him to come out and talk with them. Well, what they're going to do is throw a bag over his head and, and steal him away. Verse 32, there was a crowd sitting around Jesus and someone said, hey, your mother, your brothers are outside. They're asking for you. And Jesus replied in verse 33. And they would have been able to hear this. They would have been out right out listening at the window, at the doorway. They would have heard this. Jesus replied, who is my mother? Uh, who are my brothers? And then he looked at those around him and he said, look, these are my mother and my brothers. Anyone who does the will of who does God's will, is my brother and sister and mother. Mary lost Jesus again. She went to find him. She sought him out. She did find him. But once again, everything was different. 
once again, she had to rethink everything. He said that his real family are the ones who are hearing his words and doing them. She had to reevaluate everything she knew once again when she found Jesus. And Mary lost Jesus a fourth time. Again, like the first time, this one happened in Jerusalem. And again, like the very first time, this one was also for three days. It was when Jesus died on the cross. And they placed him in a tomb and he was dead for three days. At the end of three days, he walked out of that tomb with life, breathing again, living again. And she found him again. And once again, she had to rethink everything. Because everything changed. She had to rethink. You know what another word for rethink is? Repent. Which means to turn around, to change direction, to change your thinking. She had to rethink everything about Jesus. Again, repent to turn around and change. I've lost Jesus in my life. See, the Jesus I grew up with as a child... That Jesus, he wanted you in a suit and a tie every Sunday. And he wanted you sitting on a really hard pew. That was the Jesus of my childhood. I lost that Jesus. And I refound him. Everything changed. You know what he wanted when I was a teenager? He wanted my obedience. And I lost that Jesus. And when I found him, everything changed. You know what he wanted during my 17 years as a student minister, as a student pastor? Those 17 years, he wanted hundreds of students who became obedient student disciples. And he wanted me giving my all to see that happen. And I lost that, Jesus. And when I found him again, everything changed. And God was turning my heart towards starting churches, a church planter. And that Jesus that I found of my first church planting years, he wanted me to step past tradition and for me to give my all to create a new kind of church. And I did. That's where I was working at the pinnacle of my workaholic life. 15 to 17 hours a day. Seven days a week. And I lost Jesus. And I broke down. I was busted. I was ruined. But I found Jesus. And the Jesus of that broken down church planter, that broken down pastor, that Jesus, you know what he wanted? He wanted my attention. He simply wanted my attention. 
and largely that's I, because I was done with church planting. I was done with ministry. I was finished. But through that process, that's really what led me here to my church family in Stuttgart. But I lost Jesus again in Stuttgart. And I found Jesus. And as I move my life into this new mode, this legacy mode, I'm discovering that Jesus wants my all. He wants my everything. And the ironic thing about this is that if I had completely given him my everything years and years and years ago, that I would have been everything that the people in my life needed me to be if I had given him my everything. Oh, that I had learned that when I was 21. I've lost Jesus, and I found Jesus. And every time I found him, Everything changed. Just like Mary, I, I lost Jesus. Per perhaps just like you. Have you ever lost Jesus? Have you ever lost Jesus in your life and in that moment you realize that panic that sets in? That fear, whoa, 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 what if I can't find him again? I've lost Jesus. Where is he? And you seek him, and eventually you do find him, but when you find him, something's different. It's not the same. Suddenly you find out, I have to reevaluate everything that I thought that I knew about Jesus. I have to re-examine all of that. What part of my idea of who Jesus is was just part of my mind? What part of who Jesus is was just simply my creation of Jesus? Who I thought Jesus should be? Of who I thought Jesus should act like? And I had to rethink Jesus. I would have to repent. You know, some people, some people lost Jesus and they're content with losing him. I mean, they're content with just saying, you know what? Yeah, I, I used to go to church. I used to be a part of that, but I just gave it all up. And, and they lost Jesus and they walk away and they're okay with that. Maybe that's not you though. Maybe... Maybe for you, maybe you lost Jesus. Maybe you lost Jesus, but you continue to do the same things you've always done for years and years. And you look around and you don't see Jesus anywhere around you in any way. You don't sense him. You don't feel him. But you know you need to keep pretending or someone might find out that you have lost Jesus. And so you go through the same steps and the same routines because you know that's what 
You do when you have Jesus. And so you're just pretending and going through those even though you've lost Jesus. You just don't want people to know, I've lost Jesus. It all really kind of boils down to this today. We're just simply asking you, will you seek Jesus until you find him? Will you seek Jesus and find him? And when you do, you will have to rethink everything you thought about Jesus. You'll have to repent. You'll have to turn. You'll have to change directions, change directions in your thoughts. Because when you find him, the Jesus you find is not going to be based upon what you have thought your whole life. You might say, well, I, 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 think, I think Jesus wants me to be happy. That's what I think, you might say. Really? Jesus just wants you to be happy? Did you find that in the new covenant? that he's written to you, because I, I don't see that in there. You say, well, I, I think Jesus wants me to discover who I am and just be true to myself. That's what Jesus wants. And I say, really? You, you discovered that where? Because I don't see that in the new covenant that Jesus has written to you. Or you might say, well, God, God, I'm different. God has just made a mistake with me. God made a mistake with me. And I simply say, God can't make mistakes. It's impossible. He cannot make mistakes. All the mistakes in this world are found within our sinful, hurting, broken world. They are not found with God. At some point, we have to stop telling Jesus who we think He is or who we think He should be. And we need to let Him tell us, do you know what? Jesus wants to sit down with you. Jesus wants to sit down with you. And that's why we're talking about this on on Mother's Day. Because we have a lot of family here. And I want you to know that the only spiritual growth, the only breakthroughs you're going to have spiritually in life are when you find Jesus and you allow Him to tell you who He is. Your children, your grandchildren your nieces and your nephews, your neighbors and your co-workers. They need you to find Jesus and to rethink Jesus and to let that Jesus change your life. This world we live in is so confused because they think that they have Jesus figured out. Every generation alive today Every generation, they have culturally pictured who they believe that Jesus is. They have declared and decided that this is Jesus. This is who he can be, and this is who he cannot be. This is what he can do. This is what he cannot do. 
And they're confused. They are bullied. And they are bullying. They are harassed. And they are harassing. And they're helpless. A world that is looking to new policy and government to regulate everything to make it better. They see a world filled with humans. And they see human problems. And they are looking for purely human answers. And the end result of that, it's called humanism. And it is empty. Grandparents, mothers, fathers, aunts and uncles, brothers and sisters, daughters and sons. This world needs you to find Jesus and to get so close to him that you can see what he is really like. And I bet it's not what you've imagined. So go find him. You know a good place to start? Jesus said to his parents, well, why are you looking over there? And he says to you, why are you looking over there? Why are you looking to that book or that class? Or why are you listening to that person's description? Why? Didn't you know that I would be in my father's house? And so I simply ask you this today. This is a good place for you to start. Right here, the Stuttgart Harvest Church family, this is a good place for you to start. Right here with us at Stuttgart Harvest Church. Right here in this room every week. Will you do that? Will you seek Jesus until you find him right here with us? And here's the second thing I ask. Would you listen to whatever we teach on Sundays more than one time? Not just on Sundays. Would you listen again sometime during the week? Not because we're amazing teachers, just because we're pointing you to God's word. Will you listen again? And here's the third thing. As Cole talked about just a moment ago, will you join a small group starting this summer? Sign-up's going to begin soon. And as soon as we throw it out there, will you sign up and be a part of a group? And here's the last thing. Will you spend time in God's new covenant? You've heard it called the New Testament. Will you spend time in God's word, that new covenant, that new testament, during the week, every week. You know, Mary could have said no. She could have said, no, 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 no. I want, I want my boy back. I don't want this Jesus. I want my boy back. That's the Jesus I want. And she potentially would have never found Jesus again. And you can hold on to that Jesus that you have always thought 
You can hold on to that idea of Jesus that someone told you he was like, or what you saw about him in a movie, or what you read about him in a book, or what you saw in a documentary. You can hold on to that, and it is possible that you may never find him again either. The people in your life, the children in your family, they need you to find Jesus and not on your terms, not on your terms, because Jesus doesn't play like that. It is only on his terms. And I'm going to tell you right now, his terms are not your terms. He is going to turn your thinking upside down. And it is not going to agree with what culture says is politically correct. But it will be filled with love and not hate or anger or bitterness. He's going to turn your life upside down. But it's worth it. It's worth it because... You found Jesus. Let's pray. God, you told Israel that if they seek you, they will find you if they seek you with all of their hearts. Jesus, you told us that if we seek you, we will find you. And we need you, Jesus. Not the Jesus that we have created in our minds. Not the Jesus that we have said, you must be like this. No, Jesus, we need you. The Jesus who changes our lives. The Jesus who changes the lives of our children. Jesus, we need you. Amen.